welcome to day 247 of Shaped by the Word. And you don't know this as you listen to the podcast, but this is take five for this single episode, which is uh, probably the most takes we've ever done on any single podcast. I'm Paul here with Matt and David and Katie as we continue our third season together, a journey through the prophets. And the prophets have been a really rich and rewarding experiences. Uh, they convict us of our unfaithfulness to God, but they demonstrate God's exceeding faithfulness mm-hmm. to us, set us up for the hope of a Messiah who will come rescue and restore his people by bearing their sin and uh, renewing their hearts. So we've enjoyed the time together. We come to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is one of the major prophets, which means that uh, his writings are extensive and they take up a large portion of the prophet's Ezekiel is probably one of the prophets that we have a hard time, you know, reading. Uh, It's hard to follow the chronology of Ezekiel. And, of course, his language is highly symbolic in places, as you'll notice, even as we read, you know, the opening chapter, it begins in a way that, you know, immediately grabs your attention and and leaves us, you know, asking what in the world is, is going on. But it's a wonderful picture of God and his sovereignty as he rules over his people in a foreign land. So before we uh, venture into Ezekiel, uh, we're excited about the opportunity to read him, uh, to hear his voice, to hear God talking through him and challenging us. So we offer ourselves and we offer this moment uh, to the Lord. Uh, we have a beautiful gift in his word where uh, every bit of it is breathed out by him. And of course, as we read as his children, it's breathed into us by the Holy Spirit who uses it. Uh, to continue God's work in our lives. So, Matt, you mind lifting us up before we uh, read? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we are indeed grateful for your word and grateful for all that you do in, in us as we read it. And uh, we ask that, the Father, you would um, strengthen us in our inner man as we read your word by your spirit, that you would help us to behold wonderful things, um, help us to understand and, and to be reminded of your faithfulness, of your character, um, of your purposes. Uh, Father, we thank you that You've uh, you've given us this time together as your body to to hear your word and to respond appropriately to it. Um, so be with us. Um, give us much grace as we read. Fill, fill us with wisdom. Um, help us to see you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In my 30th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God on the fifth of the month. It was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. Uh, The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzai, by the Kabar River in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was on him. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of the other. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had a face of a human being. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. On the left side, the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading up upward, each wing touching uh, that, uh, that of the creature on the other side. And each had two other wings 
covering its body. So we have a wonderful opening to the book of Ezekiel. We have a, a cloud coming you know, out of the north. And of course, in the prophets, that's always ominous. It has to do with you know impending battle and coming conquering king. Uh, and this time, it's not the Babylonians or the Assyrians that are coming from the north, but it is the Lord Himself in order to powerfully implement His His purposes. We, we catch you know some in a kind of Old Testament reference, just in the very fact that we have wings that are touching wings, mm-hmm. and the only other place we've seen wings that are touching wings are the cherubim, you know, that uh, uh, cover the holy of holies. And we find out in chapter eight that these odd creatures are indeed cherubim. And every time we see cherubim, uh, they are guarding the holiness and the grandeur and the glory of God. And so this is what this is, is a vision of the glory and the grandeur and the majesty and the holiness of God and, and his power. And so it's, it's kind of a, mm-hmm. a really ominous vision. Uh, the interesting thing about this probably, uh, Isaiah you know, starts similarly in verse 6. His call is, you know, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe you know, filled the temples, and the thresholds of the temple shook. And so you have all of this wonderful image. But Isaiah is in the temple, and uh, Jeremiah is on the Kebar River. So you have the glory of the Lord not residing in the temple, but the glory of the Lord with his people where they're taken into captivity and exile which is a strong affirmation of his presence, his sovereignty, and his continuing work among his people. That was one of the big things that stood out to me is I was even just reading about this a little bit earlier, just how when they are in exile and it's been so many years, there is this awesome reminder that God is with them and he hasn't left them. And even he's just sitting on the side of the river, just probably lamenting, you know, his place in life, you know, all the promises he was going to maybe be a part of before the exile and, and to, to be reminded, which is a great reminder that gives us that we, as the New Testament calls us, we are living as strangers and exiles, and it can sometimes feel like the Lord's far away, and where is he, and is he involved, and things seem so bad. And yeah, just a great reminder that he is near, he is close, and he does know. And what do we need in those moments to sit for a vision of the glory of the Lord yeah. and his sovereignty? And of course, the same thing happened with Moses when he was discouraged about the people, you know, that he was called to lead. You know, he asked for a vision of the glory of the Lord, and, and the Lord revealed himself in fire and in smoke and in a cloud as well. So you have some of those, you know, common, you know, common images that are part of that. And, of course, this is his 30th birthday or around his 30th birthday that he's sitting there. If he had been back, you know, in Jerusalem, this would have been the year he would have been installed mm-hmm. as a priest. Mm-hmm. And yet that is a privilege that has passed him by because he was part of the first, you know, exiles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that uh, were taken out along with, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, mm-hmm. Daniel mm-hmm. as well. So the leading people of the city are taken out. Yeah. You know, Going back to what you were saying, too, about what we really need is a vision of God. You love how, I mean, we can read Ezekiel and think, man, these images are so weird and, you know, what's happening here? But this is the very imagery that John's going to pick up in Revelation, you know, Revelation 4, to encourage the church that God is sovereign and on the throne and, you know, still caring for his people is he's going to actually, you know, allude to verse 10. Their faces look like this. Each had four on their face, a human being, you know, the lion, the ox, and the eagle. He's going to use those same images in Revelation 4 to to remind us that God is still sovereign. God still desires to be with his people, yeah. you know, and his purposes still stand. And so, 
But that's one of the fun things that we see when we get to the New Testament is those writers picking up things of the old in order to, you know, communicate truth to us in a way that's still compelling and, you know, points us back to, to those stories. Yeah, probably you know, we miss out on Revelation because we don't know Ezekiel and we don't know the rest of the prophets because almost every other word he utters is taking an Old Testament vision and bringing it forward uh, into uh, you know, the circumstances of his people and ultimately the new heavens in the new earth and and so you have four creatures looking in four different directions which means you know all of the earth that god is sovereign over all of the earth and and of course these creatures you know uh you know if if the ox the strongest of the domestic Mm -hmm. animals the lion the most powerful you know of the of, of the wild animals and animals and of course the eagle you know, dominant in the air. And so you not only have all of the earth, but you have all of creation and its mm-hmm. power and glory represented, you know, that God is indeed sovereign over all. And you have this, you know, picture of the, you know, cherubim, uh, you know, as, as just the very platform on which, you know, God will reside. And just, I was just thinking, this is such a weird thought, but how cool that the cherubim have um, faces of animals that God made. So, like I'm thinking about like when God created y'all are thinking and I'm so lame when God created these animals no, the cherubim were like the cherubim breath. were like hey that I have that face I don't know that's so weird <laughs> but it's kind of cool because it's like no listen yeah, listen yeah. just check just hear me out like <laughs> like how cool that God chose to include animals here on earth that are actually represented in the cherubim. I think that's kind of cool. If that's true, if that tr- truly is how they look, but, and not just symbolic, but anyway, you're up, Matt. I was going to say, that's not, that's not the only thought I have, but I just think there's so many specific details, especially at the beginning of this, just when it happened, how old he was, where he was sitting. I just love details like that because it reminds us that this took place at a moment in time. Like, on our timeline, this happened and to a real person. And so I just think that I just am thankful for details like that because it's not just kind of some idea of something that might've happened, but no, this took place in history. And, um, I just, I think that's just really fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of all kidding aside, like what we do see with the cherubim and, you know, the wings covering their body and at times covering their face, they're reminded of their creatureliness as well. And they're in the presence of God, you know. And so on the one hand, yeah, we see these, you know, created faces. But on the other side, we see, you know, that they too recognize they are in the presence of a holy God. You know, just that uniqueness of, of who our God is that we're really mm-hmm. being elevated into the the beauty of who God is, his holiness, his, you know, differentness if you will that he's unique and so um that's one of the fun things as we read through ezekiel and the prophets they give us a high portrait of who god no it's just the power of the glory of the presence of god as well you know find out you know in in, in tomorrow's reading uh you know back to what you know katie was referring to ezekiel is one of the most easily dated you know books of the old testament uh in the precision of even the eclipses that he mentions are, are datable wow. you know by you know by our calendar so you're talking about how precise it was it was actually july 31st 593 bc wow that we opened he gives it to the day 
uh, you know, uh, you move move in that direction. So that will be one of the features you see in Ezekiel is how he ties to specific momentous events in the lives of kings. In Obadiah, we didn't see any tie back to a king or any tie back to his parents. You know, we just simply saw the prophecy against Edom. So we 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 can do some nice guesswork and put Obadiah, you know, during the fall of Jerusalem. But here Ezekiel is very very precise about when and where these things took place. That's cool. Father, we thank you for your glory. Uh, this is an odd picture to us when we see uh, these uh, four-faced creatures with four rings rings covering their body and touching tip to tip. Uh, but we thank you for what it represents, the power, the majesty, and uh, the unfathomable beauty of who you are. And their awesome presence. And uh, we do pray that, Father, in the middle of our circumstances, you'd give us a vision of who you are, that we might be reminded uh, of your sovereign control over every event of our lives and of all of history, bringing it together to a fitting conclusion in Christ Jesus, so that we can rest assured and say along with Paul, and we know that in all things you're working together for the good of those who love us and have been called according to your purposes. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.